The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Not surprisingly, every year about this time, we see lots of news stories about gratitude, lots of advice about being thankful. A few years ago, I read a column in the paper that said that Thanksgiving is the most psychologically correct holiday. I don't really know what that means, but it had something to do with the health benefits of an attitude of gratitude. It's a really cheesy expression, but here's what the article said. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude has been linked to better health, sounder sleep, less anxiety and depression, higher long-term satisfaction with life, and kinder behavior toward others, including romantic partners. A new study shows that feeling grateful makes people less likely to turn aggressive when provoked, which helps explain why so many brothers-in-law survive Thanksgiving without serious injury. (laughs) Apparently, this study was newsworthy, but I don't think it's particularly surprising that feeling grateful is good for you. But the article went on. What if you're not a very grateful person? How can you cultivate some feelings of gratitude? The advice ranged from making lists and writing special thank you letters all the way to religious thoughts, thinking religious thoughts, just generally speaking. And then the author concluded his column with a last-ditch effort. If you're still struggling to feel grateful, just tell yourself it could always be worse. Now, there are lots of times that that would be really helpful advice when it would be helpful to realize that whatever it is that's making you grumpy and ungrateful is really not a very big deal. Not only could it be worse for you, but there are lots of folks who are, in fact, much worse off. But there are also times when it's simply not helpful advice. Sure, it may be true that things could be worse, but just because you can imagine other ways of being miserable, it doesn't mean that your misery isn't real and horrible. Take the ten lepers, for instance. They were miserable. Sure, it could have been worse. But acknowledging that really wouldn't have been helpful for them. It's not that they didn't have anything to be grateful for, but the things that they loved the most, the things that were most central to their lives, the things that identified them and gave them meaning, those were the things that had been taken away by this disease, this horrible disease that didn't just affect their bodies, 
but affected their whole lives. Here's what it says in the book of Leviticus about a person who has leprosy. He is to be examined by the priest, and the priest, on discovering this leprosy, is to pronounce him unclean. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The text is so clear, it leaves you without any doubt that a person who has leprosy is unclean, and no one should come near him. Sure, it could be worse, but that's not much consolation, not much reason for gratitude. By virtue of their leprosy, these men were outcasts. They couldn't be with their family and friends. They couldn't sit down and share a meal. They couldn't go to the sanctuary and worship. They couldn't receive the blessing of the priests or offer their prayers with the people. They were as good as dead. They had company, sure, but it was miserable company. Their community was based on this one horrible thing that they had in common, and any of them would jump at the opportunity to be free, to be clean, to leave this misery and return to normal life, to go back home, to stop crying out, unclean, unclean, anytime someone approached. And the Samaritan, well, for him it was even worse. He was unclean and a foreigner. His people, the Samaritans, had taken the true worship of God and combined it with false religion, the false religion of the folks who lived around them, so that in some ways they resembled Jews in their worship, but in other ways they were completely unfaithful to the God of Israel. Jews and Samaritans didn't even eat together. And at one point, Jesus' disciples, James and John, asked him if he'd like them to call down fire from heaven to consume a village of the Samaritans. There was no lack of lost love between the Samaritans and the Jews. They were a sad lot of lepers, all ten of them, and the Samaritan, he had it worst of all. It was certainly a struggle for them to feel grateful. They probably didn't feel much of anything except for despair. And so they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now there are few things that satisfy our craving for self-improvement as much as practical tips about things that are good for us. How to eat better, exercise more, work smarter, study more effectively, be more prepared for retirement. You browse the internet and you'll find list after numbered list of tips and tricks for being a more successful human being. And a lot of it can be really helpful. But when we start strategizing in order to feel gratitude, we may well have missed the point of gratitude. I don't mean to say that feeling gratitude isn't good for you. Just don't mistake those feelings for actually being grateful. That's an important theme throughout all of our Christian religion. Feelings are fickle. And while feeling gratitude may be, benefit, may be a benefit for your health, it doesn't necessarily correspond to actually being grateful. And here's an example. You remember the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector who both stood in the temple and prayed to God. And the Pharisee clearly felt gratitude. This was his prayer. He said, God, I thank you. I thank you 
that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He had done all the things he was supposed to do. He made a list. He said a special thank you to God and was thinking religious thoughts and imagining how things could be worse. He could be like that tax collector after all. So he certainly felt grateful. But he missed the boat entirely on gratitude. And that's because feeling grateful was all about him. It was an affirmation of his life, a self-justification. On the other hand, that tax collector who stood there off in the corner mumbling his prayer quietly, he went home genuinely grateful because God has taken his miserable life and given him a new one. He wasn't self-satisfied. He was disgusted with himself. He didn't want to be like he was. He wanted to be something different, someone different. And that's what it means when it says that he went home justified. The tax collector wasn't conjuring up feelings of gratitude by imagining how things could be worse. He actually was grateful because things had been as bad as they could be. And God had given him a new life, a new heart. And that's the difference between the Samaritan leper and the nine others. The Samaritan leper returns to Jesus and glorifies God because he is actually grateful. And he's grateful because he had been an outcast and a foreigner, and now he was something completely different. He had been given a brand new life. It wasn't returning to his old life, the life he had before. He was now a Samaritan leper who had been saved by Jesus. He was now a dead person who had been resurrected. The other lepers had been cleansed as well, but they took their cleansing as an opportunity to return to their old lives. And who could blame them? They're healed on the way, and if they go to the temple and are pronounced clean by the priest, it would be as if nothing had ever happened to them, as if this whole thing was just a bad dream. They could pick up where they'd left off, spending time with their family, finishing the projects left undone, building their careers, enjoying themselves, and all the blessings of normal life they so desperately missed. It would be as if they hadn't missed a step. In fact, it would be as if Jesus had done nothing for them at all. And that, you see, is the problem with the nine lepers. Were there not ten who were cleansed, Jesus asked? Where are the other nine? Along the way, they may well have mustered up feelings of gratitude by imagining how things could be worse. But they're missing out on gratitude because they're content with returning to their old lives. They're not interested in being lepers who had been saved by Jesus. They're not interested in being dead people who had been resurrected. They were interested in being the same old folks they once were. Hopefully you can see where this is going. You are sinners who have been forgiven. You are the lost who have been found. You are dead people who have been resurrected. You are not people who have been cleansed so that you can return to your old lives. You are not people who have been set free so that you can return to Egypt, the house of slavery. You are not like those nine lepers who could not wait to get back to normal life. You are here, like the one Samaritan, the one Samaritan leper who fell on his face before Jesus to give thanks. 
It's worth taking a moment to observe how strange the Samaritan must have seemed to everyone. He did the most outlandish, the most crazy thing. A friend of mine once wondered what he supposed his wife thought. He's just been cleansed, but he doesn't return home straight away to give her a big kiss and hug all his kids. Instead, he goes back to Jesus and falls on his face. He stays outside the city where his shame had kept him before, where his uncleanness had kept him before. He stays out there, away from his family and friends, away from his old life, away from all the things that he'd been looking forward to and hoping for. He stays away from normal life so that he can be with Jesus, so he can worship him. His wife must have thought he was crazy. And it probably made her pretty angry. I picture her being a bit like King David's wife, Michal, who was ashamed of David as he danced with all his might alongside the Ark of the Covenant when it came into Jerusalem. Maybe you remember that story. He looked like a crazy man. And she, seeing him outside the window, thought he was crazy. But he couldn't help himself. He couldn't help himself because he understood that when the Lord of hosts, the God who made heaven and earth, the Savior of the world, our Redeemer and friend, when he is here, With mercy and salvation, there is only one thing to do, and that is to give glory to him, to fall on our faces and worship. All of the feelings of gratitude in the world cannot compare to the blessing of life with Christ. For Christians, gratitude towards God looks a lot like faith. It receives his blessings, his forgiveness, his mercy, his life, And it says, thank you. That is just what I needed. That is what I need day in and day out. There is nowhere else I want to go. No one else I want to look to. No one else for me to fear, love, and trust but you, O Lord. It shows itself, that gratitude, that faith, it shows itself just like it did with the Samaritan leper when you return to Jesus and praise God because you are a forgiven sinner. You are a resurrected sinner dead person. It shows itself when you come here time after time to receive again every good thing from the one who has raised you from the dead. May God grant to us always hearts that love his gifts, hearts that rejoice to receive his mercy, hearts that always give thanks to him, our maker and redeemer. And may with a peace which passes all understanding Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.